Every organization is experiencing change. Some of the changes come from external environment, such as customer expectations, government regulations, global competition, or new domestic competitors. Other changes are coming from within the organization, such as changing employee expectations, hybrid work schedules, redesigned teams and structures, automated activities that minimize drudgery, re-engineered corporate structure, flat productivity increases, and yes, the adoption of AI technology. Since the pace of change is increasing at an ever faster clip, one of the key competencies that leaders need to master is the skill of initiating, managing, and championing change. Welcome to the 90th Percentile, an unconventional leadership podcast by Zenger Folkman. Each week, using research from over 1.5 million global assessments of leaders, we analyze different leadership traits, trends, and what it really takes for leaders to get to the 90th Percentile. I'm Brianna Corrin, and joining me today is my co-host and leadership legend and guru, Jack Sanger. Hello, Brie. Wow, that's uh, all in addition to the world being engulfed in war. <laughs> And the U.S. legislature being in turmoil. <laughs> yes, it's been a it's been a rough few months to say the least. Hello, Jack. Um, the seasons are changing like they do every year, but it turns out that some people in corporations are becoming more change resistant. Should we say? A Gartner survey revealed that employees' willingness to support enterprise change collapsed to just. 43% in 2022. That was compared to 74% that they saw in 2016. You know, it was a lot of fun experimenting with uh, remote work, the great resignation, job redesign, and basically a looming AI corporate takeover over the past few years. But <laughs> the fun is over. People are tired. Something we need to accept is that change is not the exception. It's the rule. Uh, but today, we want to focus in on how leaders can champion change and help with these transformation deficits that we're seeing with employees and organizations across the world. Yeah, we, we try to focus in on the skills that leaders need today that are going to make the biggest difference. We went to our database to measure the impact of the ability to champion change on a leader's overall leadership effectiveness rating. We gathered data from over 100,000 leaders worldwide. The results, a direct correlation between a leader's ability to champion change and their overall leadership effectiveness rating. Now, this should not come as a surprise or a shock to anyone. Good managers are able to maintain the status quo, fix things that are broken, keep things running, but that's quite different from turning to a new direction or jumping to a new level. Here's the data that we found. There is just this enormously strong correlation between the ability to champion change and perceived overall leadership effectiveness. I'm looking at the graph right now, and it, and it is quite amazing. Those who are at the bottom versus the top is so drastic. But But what about the impact on direct reports of these leaders who really have honed in on this skill of championing change? Direct reports are deeply affected. We asked over 400,000 direct reports the extent to which they were confident that their organization would achieve its strategic goals. 
We found that leaders with low competence at championing change, that is, they were in the bottom 10 percentile, had direct reports who scored at the 32nd percentile on their confidence in reaching goals. But compare that with those in the top 10 percent, the leaders in the top 10 percent, whose direct reports were at the 74th percentile. So... In this article that you and Joe wrote that's sharing these different findings about leaders who championing change, you have one more study that you did, one more graph. Uh, can you explain what you found in that third study? Yeah, we evaluated over 4,900 employees gauging a leader's potential for promotion. Those with a strong ability to champion change were rated noticeably higher in their overall promotability as seen by their subordinates. These leaders were also more likely to be perceived as more effective by any objective measure. They were able to foster confident direct reports and basically to succeed in their careers. So it's pretty clear that those who have embraced change and even championed it in their organizations, they see the rewards like we talked about. I think change when you're younger is a lot easier. I loved change. It was hard for me to comprehend how people do the same thing every every day when I was young. And I, I remember starting my first corporate job after college. And a month into it, I came home one night to my husband. I was just crying because I wanted to quit because I thought it was so boring sitting in a cubicle behind a screen every day doing the same thing. Uh, for so long. And college just wasn't like that. You know, you're doing different classes, having different experiences, meeting different people. But at the same time, on the other end of it, as you get older, life gets a little bit crazier and more complicated. And so many different things are thrown at you that you do begin to appreciate some consistency of some things. So being in a constant state of disorder can be very stressful. As humans, we crave homeostasis. There's a book Brad Stolenberg wrote this book on change. It's called Change, How to Excel When Everything is in Flux. That on average, we go through 36 major changes in the course of adulthood. And that change follows this pretty predictable pattern in our life. We have order, and then there's disorder, and then we have to reorder it again. But it doesn't go back to the same state that it was at the beginning. And that's good because the way that we reorder the disorder can make the new normal so much better. There are a myriad opportunities for all sorts of changes, from improving culture, redesigning workflows, or finding ways to automate some of the boring tasks <laughs> that will make it so employees aren't bored in their cubicles and wanting to quit <laughs> after their jobs after a month. Yes, <laughs> that, that's good. And AI has, has helped with a lot of those automation things. So, Jack, what can a leader do to help those around them perceive them to be champions of change? Intuitively, many assume that if they were more willing to embrace change, that that alone would help them to be better at this. Mm -hmm. Well, that might be a helpful start. We looked at our data from over 100,000 leaders and identified those who were most effective at championing change we discovered that there were five strength-building behaviors that made them successful. 
The skillful execution of these five behaviors significantly impacted a leader's ability to execute and manage change. The first was innovation. Change without innovation means just working harder and longer. <laughs> innovation provides a great deal of the rationale for why we are changing, along with the means to make it happen. Even in a situation where change is a necessity, like downsizing, looking for an innovative approach to the change makes it much more acceptable and productive. Leaders who are innovative continuously look for how to do it better, more efficiently, with better outcomes, and more often than not, it means doing it differently. Yeah, it can be daunting to make a big change, whether internally or externally. I remember when Mark Zuckerberg said it was time for Facebook to adopt a new company brand to encompass everything they do, because they were more than just Facebook. So they changed the name of the company and branding to Meta to capture his vision of the future. And people really, really mocked the rebrand saying it was a foolish attempt to distract from the criticism that the company had recently faced. And even that Meta is a stupid company name. That's <laughs> what some said. <laughs> but others said that the change was good. It is a signal to people inside the company and outside the company that Zuckerberg means it when he says, this is the next phase for the company. And being innovative means that not everybody may be on board at the start with your vision, but it is how you can grow and expand. So what behavior is, is next? The next behavior is acting quickly. We found in our research that leaders who were able to act quickly were two times as effective at making change happen. Slowly ripping a bandage off is excruciating and clearly more painful than tearing it off quickly. Speed removes the barnacles off the bottom of the boat. Hmm. Change efforts need to be well-planned and organized, but once started, a speedy execution will inevitably be more successful and well accepted. Speedy leaders get it done and they do it now. <laughs> Good point. But uh, I'm going to push back just a little bit, Jack. Uh, if, if we go back to that 2022 Gartner survey that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, they also found that 75% of organizations were trying this top-down approach to change where Leaders set the strategy, they make the plans, they share this new vision, and then they have a lot of communication about what needs to happen. And everyone on the lower end has to do it all. And obviously, the goal is for people to buy into this new vision, this path, and for managers to lead this change and champion it and be role models. But in the article I read, it was talking about this form of chain management. They said, unfortunately, navigating the pandemic asked a lot of employees. And while they delivered it, it came at a cost. Relentless sprinting means many employees are running on fumes. And like we said, there's been a lot of changes. So speed is important. We want to reorder the disorder. And sometimes we need to break things that seems like they kind of work, but maybe they're not working great. So how can leaders manage change at a speed that doesn't burn themselves or their teams out? You know, Brie, I think that the bigger issue may be the number of changes that 
organizations are asking their people to undergo. Hmm. My favorite metaphor about change is that of a sponge. You know, a sponge will absorb a rather fixed amount of water. Mm-hmm. Once it's totally full, you can keep sticking it in b- buckets of water and it'll only hold the same amount of water. I think that's true of organizations. There's a limit to the number and the size of changes that can successfully be implemented at any one time. Great point. And so it isn't a matter of how speedily they're being implemented. It's just a sheer number of things that people are being asked to do. The third topic is strategic perspective. This skill builder is fascinating because it provides the logic for why and the target for where we're headed. Both are critical in a change effort. Often change tactics do not work as planned, but with a clear target, course corrections can be quick and they can be efficient. Leaders with a strategic perspective often remind others about where the organization is headed and keep the organization focused on the target. Here's a place where having data can really help. We work with organizations in developing their leaders individually, but when you aggregate that data with a number of leaders, you begin to see some organizational issues emerge, things that need to be changed. The best change initiatives are not the whim of some executive, but they are best when they're informed by objective data, for example. The next strength builder is having an external perspective. It's easy during a significant change to focus internally. Where are we having problems? Why didn't this initiative work? Who is not meeting their commitments? In contrast, leaders with an external focus notice that the organization is either moving forward or it is stuck. They observe differences that have occurred. They study what competitors are doing and how they are responding to market changes. Leaders with an external perspective are critical to keeping a change effort moving. We earlier talked about change coming basically from the you know, from two sources, one internal and the other external. External forces lend credence and they help people inside to understand the need for change and the urgency connected to it. A classic example of that was the COVID pandemic. Oh, yes, absolutely. And, you know, leaders, they can't ignore the outside voices. They need to be clued into those perspectives. I'm really amazed at how quickly I see stores adopt new trends from social media or do collaborations with big influencers. The other day I went to Michael's to get some craft supplies for a video I saw on TikTok of a cute ghost. And when I walked into the store, everything I was looking for was at the display in the front of the store, probably because the manager realized that this was a popular trend and wanted to feature it or because they were tired of people asking where all the supplies were for this certain (laughs) popular trend. What is the final behavior? Final behavior was the ability for the leader to be inspiring and motivating. Many change efforts start with a great deal of direction to others and accountability for results. This approach might be best described as push. The stark reality is that many people would not change if they did not have to change. However, along with push, successful change efforts thrive best when there is pull. People need to become excited 
about to change. They need to be energized and to do difficult things. Leaders who can inspire are essential in any change effort. Thank you, Jack. These five behaviors are really helpful. And just to reiterate them, we started talking about innovation. Next, we had speed. The third was strategic perspective. The fourth was external perspective. And finally, that last one was inspires and motivates others. So for those looking to improve, these are five very different areas. Do you have any recommendations about how to start, where to begin? Yeah, we do. We suggest three options for improvement based on our research. Number one, leaders can try to improve on all five behaviors to achieve those above targets. Or number two, they can elevate four out of the five, and that will kind of help them reach to the 75th percentile. But thirdly, if, if they'll focus on improving two, any two of those, to the 90th percentile, we describe those as being strengths as a, and, and profound strengths, that has a significant positive impact. And two of the enabling behaviors stand out to you, focus just on those two. Each strategy has its benefits and challenges but they all lead to substantial improvement in championing change. Leaders today who master the skill of championing change are in short supply and highly valued. This skill, like many others, can be developed. Using the five enabling behaviors listed above, we found that most leaders going through a development process can improve. Few leaders are, are born with the skill of leading change. Most of them learn from experience and practice. So this month for our leadership webinar that's being hosted by Jack and Joe, we have the topic of leading the charge, harnessing strengths to drive meaningful change. And if you were inspired by this podcast today, we invite you to attend that webinar to learn a little bit more and to see kind of a preview of this micro learning session that we offer to organizations and executives and leaders at all levels on how they can improve their ability to champion change. So I will leave the link to register for that webinar in the episode notes. The 90th Percentile and Unconventional Leadership Podcast was written and recorded by Brianna Corin, Jack Zanger, and Joe Folkman, and produced by Zanger Folkman. If you're interested in learning more about Zanger Folkman's award-winning 360-degree assessments, leadership, and coaching offerings, or would like to attend our monthly leadership webinar series hosted by Jack and Joe, visit our website at zangerfolkman.com. If you like our podcast, tell your friends and coworkers about it, and be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and leave us a great review. We really like to read them. All resources and links to the research referenced in this episode can be found in our episode details or on our podcast page on zangerfolkman.com. <laughs>